In the Loop with John Lopez and Landry Locker is brought to you by Russell and Smith Ford. Let's go around the NFL to keep you in the loop. Brought to you by BioCleanTex.com on Sports Radio 610. All right, let's play Contender Pretender. And I'm going to put you on the spot here, John. I'm going to name teams that still have playoff hopes. And I want you to tell me whether you would or would not be willing to bet your fishing boats on them winning the Super Bowl. <laughs> well, the answer is no to all of the all of them, first of all. Shout You're out. trying to increase the size of your fishing boat and oh, you are man. betting your fishing boat here. Oh man, I've got I've got the perfect fishing boat. I've got my dream boat. I ain't going to trade my uh, Freedom Boats uh, warrior for anything. But I'll play the game cuz I love games like this. You know that. But you yeah, so we got we got it on record. Mark that John has to give up the fishing nope, boat uh, if nope, he's wrong about any of nope, these. You nope. just you, you just we're just dismissing people here. So here we go. Will John get to keep his fishing boat? Yikes! Would you bet your fishing boats that there's no chance that the Raiders win the Super Bowl? Yes, except not the betting my fishing boat part. They Would have, you bet your fishing boat that there's no chance that the Ravens win the Super Bowl? Ooh. No, I wouldn't make that bet. If I were in Vegas and there were some long shot odds, because they're on the outside looking in, I, I might lay $10, $15 on the Ravens. Yeah. I think the two, well, it's not even a secret anymore, but for the last couple of weeks, I've thought if I'm, if I'm a betting man, which occasionally I am, but uh, just for fun, I would bet on the Bills and the Ravens as my long shots to win it all. I'm talking, about win, I'm, I'm talking about winning the Super Bowl. I don't even know if the Bills are a long shot anymore. That's what I mean. Miami they're Dolphins. Would you bet your fishing boat that there's no chance the Miami Dolphins win the Super Bowl? Uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're not going to make it. They're, I mean, they are impressive, and they are set up. And, oh, by the way. Two uh, first-round picks, two, two seconds. Well, can I, can I share this real quick before we move on? The Texans are playing for something on Sunday. Something very, very important. There is something on the line Sunday against the Cincinnati Bengals. And I am not kidding. All right, it, let's talk about that at 115 because okay. I have no idea what the F you're talking oh, yeah. about there. Oh, yeah. We'll get there. I'm actually really excited about that. 115. Indianapolis, would you bet your fishing boat that there's no chance the Colts win the Super Bowl this year? No. I think the Colts are uh, – I know the Texans have played them really, really well, but I think they're rolling – I think they found the perfect quarterback for what they want to do. You know, as long as he doesn't throw interceptions, they win. Every loss that the that the Colts have had, Phillip Rivers has thrown an interception, which is an interesting fact. Cleveland Browns, would you bet your fishing boat that there's no chance the Browns win the Super Bowl? No. I, I think they're, they're going to have a chance. And keep in mind, you know, these are all good teams as we know, but keep in mind the Kansas City Chiefs are prohibitive favorites to win the Super Bowl, but I'm still saying I wouldn't bet against the Browns. The Browns feel like their ceiling is like a Jets team that went to the AFC Championship twice or a Titans team that went last year. Like, it wouldn't shock me if they got hot and won a couple games and then got to the AFC Championship. Not at all. Wouldn't shock me. I'm not saying I would bet on it, right. but it wouldn't shock me. I think they got a puncher's shot. Titans, do you, do you dismiss the Titans as, as a team that can win a Super Bowl? No, I think the Titans are one of two teams that can dethrone the Chiefs. Pittsburgh. They're, yeah, they, they're not going anywhere. They, they'll be out in the first round. They're, they're a mess. An absolute If mess. the playoffs started today, they would face the Colts. And, All right, Buffalo. 
Buffalo, I think, has got a shot. Buffalo's really good. Yeah, I think Buffalo uh, is probably my favorite outside of the Chiefs uh, to, to get to the Super Bowl. All right, and we both we know we already know about the Chiefs. All right, we're we're we're, we're separating the real from the fake here on In the Loop Sports Radio six ten. Chicago Bears, no chance they win a Super Bowl. No chance they win a Super Bowl. Agree. Arizona. God, this is a good one. I am so up and down on the Cardinals. It's well, it, so are they. I'm up and down while they are. Um, I mean, you saw DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, just throw it up. I mean, if you if you st- if you're close late, DeAndre Hopkins can win the game for you. He's done it twice already this year with incredible catches uh, at the end. So, I think it's a long shot, but I wouldn't bet my boat against it. Tampa Bay Buccaneers with Tom Brady. I don't see it happening. I would Got a good bet defense. My... Got a good defense. Yeah, but I don't see it happening. So you'd bet your boat against Tom Brady? Again, not the boat, but I would bet against it. The Rams coming off a loss to the Jets. It's it's hard to make much of that squad. But the Rams, they got the Seahawks this week. The Rams. There's something missing with the Rams. Uh, and I'm not just basing this on recency bias, you know, losing to the Jets. They they've they've been they, they look the part, but they're not really making the big plays that you need to have to to, to get to a championship. I mean Jared Goff is not throwing the ball downfield at all. I mean, we, we talked about yesterday, Deshaun Watson, I think he's either leading the league or second in the league and, and passes more than 20 yards. I think Goff is last, and, and they're 9-5. and five. So they're missing the in, key ingredients, and I, I, would, I wouldn't bet on them going. I, I think they've done – some of these teams that are like 9-win teams, 10-win teams, mm-hmm. I, I feel like they've just surpassed expectations so much that – all of a sudden, like we 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 go from underrating them to overrating them. That's how I feel about the Steelers. I, I feel like the Steelers surpassed realistic expectations, and now all of a sudden we're almost looking at them like they're the Chiefs or something like that without Super Bowl hopes. I, I feel the same way about the Rams. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, the Rams they, they still have some talent on that team, but I don't think too many people expected the Rams to come out here and be. You know, a, a ten or eleven win team this year. I, I thought it was almost looked at as almost like a transition year for them. I almost feel like they're just like a victim of their early success. Yes, uh, and they're almost Texans like, even though they've been to a Super Bowl. But but they're almost Texans like right now in that they're good, and nobody acknowledges that they're not good. Nobody says they're not good, but they're not good enough to get very far. Washington football team. Would you bet your fishing boat they don't win the Super Bowl? Yes, that one I would. <laughs> that one I absolutely would. Anybody coming out of the NFC East. Seattle Seahawks. Mm. Would you bet your fishing boat they're not going to win a Super Bowl? Nope, I would not. I, 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 they're they're just proven and they've and they've got the experience. New Orleans Saints. No, uh, look, I know the Chiefs beat them, but Breeze gets better. Starts performing a little better, and they're going to have a chance. Green Bay Packers. I think they might. They might just. They might just get the Chiefs in the Super Super Super. Excuse me, Super Bowl. So I think the, I would not bet against them. Okay, so Washington, Tampa. the Raiders, the Raiders, the Dolphins, and Tampa are the teams that you would be willing to bet your fishing boat on that. And the Rams are not going to be Super Bowls. And the Rams. Yeah. Okay. 
So it's would you disagree? Moral of the story: of It's going to be a pretty fun playoffs. Is the moral of that story? That's what I'm. That's what I'm picking up. Oh, the divisional round. Well, actually, the first round because there's going to be three games. Uh, three uh, games each day. Each going to be phenomenal. The 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 first round and the divisional round is going to be some of the best football we will have ever seen. I can guarantee you that. They're they're too evenly under- matched. They're too good. You understand that, and, and I'm actually taking the uh, the Monday and Tuesday off. I, I don't mm-hmm. usually take time off, but I'm I'm te- because. I need to breathe after this Texan season. Yeah. Um, the Monday and Tuesday, I believe it's the 8th, 9th, 10th, the 11th and 12th or whatever it is, yeah. you realize in that three-day stretch, you're going to have Saturday, you're going to have three NFL playoff games. Sunday, you're going to have three NFL playoff games. And then Monday, you're going to have the national championship in college football. Yeah. That is what you call a weekend. So it's, it's January 11th is that Monday. Yes. It's going to be so hot. It's going to be 11, hot. 11, 10, 9. Yeah. Yes. I will be, uh, I will be relaxing and, and unwinding trying to, trying to get my mind right. Trevor Lawrence, by the way, uh, was on Adam Schefter's podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's pretty interesting that – and obviously the season's over, so – but it is pretty funny that Trevor Lawrence is now openly talking about the NFL. Uh, and he's saying, you know, I, I plan to come to school for three years. The, now that the Jags have the pick and not the Jets. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It made a big difference. One day. One day makes a big difference. Oh, wow. Right there in Jacksonville, huh? That's that's not too – that's driving distance from my home in Georgia. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's from – he. he you said he was born in Tennessee, then went to... Lived there as a child, then uh, went to Georgia and played high school football in Georgia. And then ended up in Clemson. So that, that Jacksonville area is kind of, you know, right there in his neck of the woods. Oh, like, literally driving distance. I mean, so that, he's got to be all about that. And you know what? I, I know Jacksonville, I meant to say this when McLean was on, because, you know, why would anybody want to live in Jacksonville? Look, it's not Houston. <laughs> we we get that. It's not Houston. But did you know Jacksonville is the biggest city in Florida? Didn't. It's the biggest city in Florida. Bigger than Miami, bigger than Tampa, bigger than Orlando. Um, there are, is plenty to do in Jacksonville, especially if you're from that area, right? Uh, because you know that you know that's home, and and you and and you like it. No, it's it's pretty good. By the way. Jacksonville to Atlanta, Georgia, is four hours and 50 minutes. Yeah, see? Drive. See? I mean, I I didn't know if he was going to do it, but I thought there was a possibility that if Trevor Lawrence declared for the draft and if the Jets had the number one overall pick, I thought there would at the very least be a chance that he might pull an Elway or Eli Manning. I mean... He, he's good enough to do that. He's absolutely good enough to do that. And in today's NFL, well, in today's professional sports world, it can happen a lot easier because, you know, agents kind of run the show now and, and they can they can control or at least uh, kind of leverage their way into certain situations. Going around the NFL here on In the Loop Sports Radio 610, Landry Locker, John Lopez. Could I interest you in a stat? This is one of the crazier stats that I I think this might blow your mind. Okay, I've got a blow your mind stat, too. I hope it's not the same one. Go ahead. Is it about the Jets? 
Yes, that's it. I saw that this morning. Go ahead. Damn it. Wait, ahead. wait, what about what about about how they compared to the Steelers? No, 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 no. Yeah, so this is different. So we're both going to blow each other's minds. Okay. This is, is going to be fun. <laughs> okay. All right. The Jets. The dog-butted Jets. Mm-hmm. And we know how much of a, of a, of a turd uh, their, their coach is, Adam Gase. Okay. Did you know that on Sunday, for the eighth straight game, let me say this again, for the eighth Straight game. The lowest scoring team in the NFL, the New York Jets, scored on their opening possession. <laughs> Eighth straight game on Sunday. And the Texans? I think they've scored on their opening possession three times total. Yeah, I think the last one two was a seasons, field goal. Maybe? Uh, you're talking about touchdowns, though. Yeah, I thought you were talking about this year. Yeah, no, it, it, it's. That shows to, goes to show you how inept they've been. All right, all right, sit down for this one. I'm down. This stat is going to blow you away. I promise you. The New York Jets, over their last three games, okay, are one and two, scoring 18 points a game, converting 42% of their third downs, and have committed four turnovers. So remember okay. those numbers. One and two, two. 18 points, 42% third down, four turnovers. Okay. The Pittsburgh Steelers over their last three games. 0-3, 16 points a game, 26% on third down, and six turnovers. Over the last three weeks, the Jets have, across the board, played better football than the Steelers. Good Lord. That When I saw that, I was like... Wow. I had to double check it. More it's points. Around the NFL. Better third downs, fewer turnovers, more rushing. I didn't even mention this one. Rushing yards per game. Jets over the last three games, 122 yards a game. The Steelers, 51. Lord. Crazy. There you go. So, take, take the OG Jets job. Jonathan. Take the Jets job. Mind blown. Coming up, I think my mind might get blown again because John Lopez says that there's a lot on the line Sunday when the Cincinnati Bengals come into town to take on the Houston Texans. OG, you got some explaining to do next. Sports Radio 610 presents In the Loop with John Lopez and Landry Locker. All right, lay it out, John. You're saying the Texans have something to play for against the Cincinnati Bengals on Sunday. I this this seems a little bit outlandish even for you. Bro. No, no. Um look, the Texans look bad because of what they uh what they traded uh to get Laramie Tunsil. Um obviously, you know how I feel about Tunsil and that whole thing. We're not going to talk about that that you needed him, etc. Nevertheless, they look bad because now that they're playing so bad, the the as we sit today, the Miami Dolphins, with the Texans pick, are sitting at number six overall. Texans are four and ten. Atlanta's four and ten. Carolina's four and ten. And the Bengals, who just won last night, I can't tell you how important that that ga- that game was for the Miami Dolphins, are three, ten, and one. Remember that tie, okay? Because if Cincinnati comes in here. And beats the Texans, 
which I guess is on the table all of a sudden, considering how they played last night against the Steelers. Of course, they you know the, the Texans are going to drop even further, and the, the Bengals will be behind the Texans in draft order. So if the Bengals come in here and win, the, the Dolphins with the Texans pick will be up to number five in the draft. Carolina and Atlanta are the only two teams ahead of the Texans in the draft. If Carolina or Atlanta win one of their last two games and the Texans lose to Tennessee, if Tennessee has something to play for there, they probably will lose to Tennessee in their last game. The Dolphins could have the number three overall pick from the Houston Texans. That would be humiliating. I know it's not your pick. You're not going to get it back. But even at six or seven, you know, or eight, if the Texans win both games or whatever it is, it's going to end up being. You know, it doesn't feel quite as bad as giving away the number three potentially overall pick to, to the Miami Dolphins. When's the last time a team traded for two first-round picks and regretted it? When was the last time you traded? Probably never. Well, Probably never. Well, I mean, Jacksonville traded Jalen Ramsey for two firsts. Mm-hmm. The Raiders traded Khalil Mack. They got two firsts. Khalil's done a good job with the Bears, but I think I think the Raiders are pleased with what they did. Miami traded Laramie Tunsil for two firsts in the second, and they're in the playoff mix right now. If the playoffs began today, they would be in, and they still have those draft picks. It seems like more times than not, whenever a player is traded for two first-round picks... Sometimes the team that trades the picks doesn't regret it, but it almost seems like whenever you get those first two, it's it's very rarely regretted. Seven one three five seven two four six ten. Like even the Jets, the Jets yeah. traded Jamal Adams and got two firsts. Yeah, but they're t- thrilled about that. I mean, if 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 these if Cincinnati wins and then Carolina or Atlanta wins one more game, I mean the Texans are going to have to just be sick. Just sick. I don't care that you got Laramie Tunsil, and I know he's been, you know, good. Not great. He's been good. Um, but to give up the number three overall pick, do you know who that might be moving forward? Like, if you're looking at mock drafts and such. I mean, there's a lot of possibilities. Uh, you got you got tackles. Uh, you got tackles. You got uh, wide receivers. You, you have, I think there's like 25 Alabama players that are a possibility to go number three overall. I'm obviously exaggerating. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of possibilities. Well, I mean, and then I, I also think you look at that second round pick. God, that's that could be three overall too, and, yeah. and that's a gold mine. That's a gold mine area as well. It, the, the Laramie Tunsil trade is probably the Hopkins trade is going to be the worst. But as far as the damage, Deshaun Watson can make up for not having DeAndre Hopkins. Now, you'd like to have something to show for it, but Deshaun Watson can make up for that. It's hard to make up for trading away the potential number three overall pick, number three overall pick in the second round in a, in a first-round pick last year. That, that, that is a lot of damage done uh, to trade for just one guy. Well, let me give you four names here, all right, that are the consensus – in terms of in the hunt to be the number three overall pick in, in the upcoming draft. The top two are Justin Fields and, uh, and, and Trevor Lawrence. The, the next names on the list are three defensive ends, a tackle, and a wide receiver. Can the Texans use any of those guys? 
the, the, the kid Sewell out of Oregon is probably he's a he's a tackle, uh, just an absolute you know beast. Um, he's considered by most to be a, uh, you know pitch, you know hold into that that number three spot. The next three are all defensive ends. Uh, uh, that that kid out of Mich- Michigan, uh, Pay is one. Uh, the other kid from Miami, Russo. And then uh, the third one is, oh, who was that kid? I had it a second ago. Oh, um, uh, Christian Barmore from Alabama. So three defensive ends, a offensive tackle, and Jamar Chase, the wide receiver from LSU. Do you think the Texans could use that? Yeah. I, <laughs> like I said, I, I feel like you're coming to my side of things. The Tunsil trade was a bad trade. And that's not to say he's not a good player. I think that Deshaun Watson could have – I mean, obviously, it would be a little more difficult. I think Deshaun Watson can can take you to the playoffs without Laramie Tunsil. Now, obviously, you didn't want Matt Khalil to be the left tackle. I think that's that's apparent. But the trading two first and the second for Laramie Tunsil was, was, was a bad trade. He's a good player. It, it, was, a, it was a bad trade. I, I don't think anyone else makes that type of deal. And I just think Bill O'Brien was just so bad at negotiating – uh, th- that he ended up making that deal, but it, it was a it was a terrible deal, and and it's just looking worse because uh, the one thing you can't do, and I said this when the trade was made, you don't make win now moves when you don't have a win now coach. You don't trade a good receiver, a great receiver, when your system's not good. There right. there were just a lot of moves that were made, and now here you are with Tunsil. And you're not you're not starting at square one because you do have Deshaun Watson and, and you do have some some other stuff that you can build on, but you, you don't have it. You don't have really anything to show for Laramie Tunsil. You have two Pro Bowl appearances. All right, you want to get even uh, but sicker? But you have a misleading playoff win against the Buffalo Bills. You want like to you, you feel even sicker? Uh, not really. Because <laughs> here's here's uh, 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 definitely not. First of all, regarding the Tunsil trade, I'm not all the way to your side. Yes, I'm just stating the case here about how sick. It's going to make everybody feel if the Texans somehow give the Dolphins the number three overall pick, which is all of a sudden after last night, square on the table. But here's here's the other part to this. Right now projected, according to Walter Football, as the number three pick in the second round, Travis Etienne, the running back out of Clemson. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> All-time leading rusher in <laughs> ACC history. Etienne and a tackle, or Etienne and Jamar Chase, Etienne or a defensive end, and that defensive end, you could it would give you some wiggle room with JJ uh, Watt too. Cog John Lopez Landry Locker Jacob in for Figgy Fig on Sports Radio six ten coming up. An interview, a Romeo replacement, or a potential head coach. Those are the questions next. Live from the Twin Peaks studios, Sports Radio 610 presents In the Loop with John Lopez and Landry Locker. Jim Caldwell interviewed by the Houston Texans yesterday, head coaching vacancy. They can't interview guys who are currently assistant coaches. they got to wait two weeks for that to happen. So that's where the interview process starts with interviewing guys like Jim Caldwell, interviewing guys like Lewis Riddick. I thought it was interesting that John McClain said that Riddick needed to get in an organization uh, to be a general manager. Yeah. I, I didn't agree with that at all. I, I don't know if that's something that he's getting from the Texans. I don't know if that's just something that he thinks. I, I don't. I don't agree with that one bit. Not even a little bit. Do I agree with that 
being necessary for Lewis Riddick to be a general manager. Yeah, I I, I don't agree with it either. Uh, we've seen multiple cases where, you know, well, first of all, where do general managers come from? I get that a lot of them are in in buildings. You know, they're 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 in personnel. A lot of them aren't. I mean, a lot of them go from head coach to general manager, which obviously they're they're plugged in. But some of them come straight out of the booth. Some of them pretty good. You know, Mike Mayock would be a good example. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, he had a little bit of a pass, but uh, there, there's some of them are, are, are pretty good coming out of there. Especially in today's, especially in today's NFL, where it's it's about salary cap and it's about uh, analytics and data. Where you know, scouting is important, but scouting isn't necessarily, you know, uh, it's probably on on the same par as some of those other things. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that there's like a, a laid out path for it. I don't, I don't agree with that. And I don't, I just, I didn't, I didn't look at Lewis Riddick interviewing the same way I did Jim Caldwell. Mm-hmm. I like Jim Caldwell. I think I would bring him on as like an advisor, like Romeo Cornell type guy. I think he could be a big asset for Deshaun Watson, but I didn't look at, the process of Lewis Riddick interviewing with all three teams, the same that I did the Jim Caldwell uh, interview. I, I, I thought Lewis Riddick was legitimately a top-notch candidate for these for these three openings. But but McLean basically made it seem like it was just like one of those things where oh you can't interview other guys, so you went with Riddick. I I, I don't I just didn't see that. Well, and and the thing about Riddick when when we learned about him you know, interviewing for the job, you know, obviously we were sharing with our, our loopholes, the listeners, uh, in, that his resume, so to speak, every level of football, he's, he's, he's played, he's been a part of every level of football. And, and oh, by the way, he has been in personnel. You know, it's not like, you know, a former sports writer uh, that, that became a general manager or a broadcaster that became a general manager. You know, the Carolina Panthers, uh, the one that they fired uh, day before yesterday or whenever it was, yesterday morning, uh, he was a sports writer uh, and, and ended up being a pretty good you know, general manager up until the end when he got fired and probably will be in the league again. Riddick has been a scout. He has been the director of pro personnel and not that long ago, you know, in 2010, you know, 2012, whatever it was, you know, he's been in scouting rooms. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. That that was a little bit of a weak uh, a weak point. Weak point. Yeah. Shots fired from OG to OG. My goodness, we're <laughs> supposed to be in the Christmas spirit, and you're just you're just sitting there busting the balls that's, that's of guy. John McClain. That's my OG guy. John Lopez. You, you can hear that visit uh, on Radio.com app. You can rewind, listen to any of it uh, right here on uh, Sports Radio six ten. The 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 Riddick thing is is interesting because I I, I think he's going to be a I think he's going to be a GM I think he's going to get one of those jobs. He was on uh, track. He was on I, track I, to be a GM. I I think that that is going to happen. I I don't think Caldwell uh, is going to be hired, so I I don't envision that happening. Uh, but I do I, I do like that the Texans are at least talking uh, to Jim Caldwell. I wanted to bring this back to Cal McNair though, because you know Cal McNair. McLean knows Cal McNair. I think Cal McNair is <laughs> he's a polarizing figure on this whole thing because it's not that 
he's done anything really to warrant skepticism or to not have the trust Mm -hmm. of fans and media that he's going to make the right decision. But maybe he probably should have stepped in a little bit more than he did with Bill O'Brien, assuming that he was in control in 2017. And maybe he just kind of set back and let Bill O'Brien burn this thing to the ground a little more than he should have. And I, 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 I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about how this decision is going to be made by Cal McNair. I, I think that there's some uncertainty that normally when you have uncertainty, it's a feeling of kind of being on the fence and not really knowing. Yeah. But I feel like because of the trust issues that media types, the trust issues that fans, the trust, and JJ's even talked about it when, you know, Bill O'Brien left, but because those trust issues happened, it almost seems like uncertainty leans toward the side of skepticism when it comes to trusting Cal McNair to make this decision. Does that make sense? Cause that's it. That's just how I feel about it. I'm, I'm not like, Oh, he's going to screw this up. Like I, I don't feel that way. Or I don't feel like, oh, he's going to make the right decision uh, like I do usually whenever Jim Crane makes a decision. Yeah. I feel uncertain because I don't know what Cal McNair is all about, and I think this is a unique situation. But I also, although King Bill is gone, there is a tendency, and maybe it's a habit, and maybe it's almost PTSD Mm -hmm. for Texans fans to kind of lean on the side of, Man, yeah. they're going to make the wrong decision. They're going to screw this up anyways. Well, yeah, we we do have a a little bit of uh Bill O'Brien shock, uh, you know, and and I think uh the way that they handled that, even though they ultimately made the right decision firing him, I I think there it's not just a Texans thing. I I think anytime a, a new owner and he's still a new owner. I mean, uh, McLean said he's been more involved since 2017. Um that's still not very long, you know, um, and where was he before that other than in the room, you know, and I, and I think Bob McNair clearly made all the decisions and clearly was really good at what he did. I know some people might, might, uh, dispute that, but I'm here to tell you, I, I knew Bob McNair very well and I knew the passion he had and the decision-making and, and the decisiveness that he had. So it's human nature anytime someone comes in, even if it's a guy that was in the room, to, to, to be skeptical. So I don't think that's unfair at all to wait and see because the decisions that he's made, the big decisions that he's made so far, McLean p- pointed out Brian Gain. Eh, I mean, I think he just kind of sided with Bill O'Brien. That wasn't like right. best interest of the team. We got to get rid of Brian Gain. I think that was more right. I had to pick one or the other, and I'm, I'm going with Bill O'Brien. That's the lesser of two evils, and, and he's been here, and he's the coach, and Everything would be a mess if I fired my coach right now. So I don't, I don't buy that one. And then, yeah, and go ahead, go ahead, John. Sorry. Well, sorry, the other, man. the other decision is firing Bill O'Brien. The only thing that I think was a little bit of a surprise and a good surprise was when he fired him. Bill O'Brien right. was going to get fired. I mean, that, right. that there was no question he was going to get fired. So, like these real, you know, insightful, decisive decisions, we haven't seen one yet. You know, like right. a, a kind of a the, the, something that will 
change the the arc of the entire franchise. That's where we are right now, so that's why there's skepticism because he's never done it. The 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 thing about the the McNair thing too is is I think you know part of me would want to and there's a lot of fans who do this. You know, they look at the way things are and they say, well, where the hell was Cal when Bill O'Brien said he wanted to trade DeAndre Hopkins? And why didn't he step in and, right. you know, do something about Brian Gain? And I can understand that. But I do think you do kind of have to look at it from a, a perspective, like a human being perspective, because I, I, I just know how close I am with my dad. Uh, and if my dad were the alpha that brought football to Houston and he ran this organization and he trusted uh, Bill O'Brien rightfully so or not. Cause I don't think, I, I think there's, there, there's reason to believe that maybe Bob would have, would have cut bait with Bill O'Brien had he been capable uh, a little later on, you know, mm-hmm. but if, if my dad trusted that guy and then, you know, as my dad, you know, continued to, uh, not not be capable of running things. I might give the guy that my dad trusted a little more leeway than I would if it were sure hundred percent my decision, just out of respect to my dad. And I know that sounds crazy. No, I think but that's very. I, I just think it's only natural. Like, it, just think about your dad hired this guy. Your dad is sick, uh, and then. You, you you give you, you you he wrote out Bill O'Brien and he probably fired him and let him have too much power and fired him too late instead of doing that too early out of respect to his dad because his dad was the one who saw the vision. Yeah, yeah, no, I I think that's very very reasonable and that might have been in play, you know, with with uh, Cal McNair, no question about it. And the other thing about Cal McNair that I that I think we need to do that 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 I think needs to be very clear because sometimes I think things are just said just because they 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 sound better than that they actually make sense like the the just just repeating stuff that you frequently hear it, it sounds good but it doesn't make a lot of sense. Cal McNair doesn't just care about money. Like I, I look, you, you can say a lot of stuff about the Texans organization since 2017. You, you can say whatever you want to say about the Texans since 2017, mm-hmm. honestly, since Deshaun Watson got here. Right. But if Cal McNair just cares about money and I say this out of respect, he's one of the dumbest people that I've ever seen <laughs> because they are paying the most money in the NFL to a roster that isn't very good. They're paying they're, they're, until recently. They were paying three different general managers. <laughs> He's still paying Bill O'Brien. He's going to pay another general manager. Yep. He's going to pay another coach. They paid Brock Osweiler. Like if if, if you want to say that the Texans screw stuff up, that's fine. But to say that Cal McNair just cares about money and doesn't care about winning, or the Texans just care about money, there's literally no like it, it's it, it's the the. the the numbers are right there. Yeah. They're, they're probably spending more money than anybody right now. Now, are they using their money recklessly? And, and should they probably wisen up a little bit? Yes. But to say that they just care about money is it's, it's ill-informed. And quite frankly, given all the, all, all the stuff that I just laid out, it's pretty foolish. Like it, it is, he would be a damn fool if he just cared about money. Uh, exactly. To do that. Jack Easterby's getting paid too. Yeah. Easterby's getting paid. 
Easterby is definitely getting paid, maybe for some work that he's still doing regarding these searches. Come on. I'm telling you, man. There, there's signs. There are signs out there that we are seeing uh, that Easterby might be more involved than, than we were led to believe. I'm just saying. It's my opinion. It's educated, but uh, still my opinion. I mean, think about it. Think about who came in yesterday and the connections he has and the deep, deep faith that Jim Caldwell has and uh, the fact that he has crossed paths uh, with uh, uh, you know, Easterby in the past. Uh, he's, a, uh, uh, he's a Tony Dungy guy who is cut from the same cloth. And then think about the, the other one that, that uh, came to light when Deshaun Watson uh, went and sought out Matt Eberflus, who is very much cut from that exact same cloth again. And Deshaun Watson doesn't do that without some knowledge or some vibe or uh, information that Eberflus might might be in the mix here. I'm just—it's just just my thoughts. I'd be down with Eberflus, though. Well, that's I true. Mean, I think I'd be down with Caldwell. He knows Deshaun really, really well. Caldwell, I, I just don't know. I, I I like his I like his layout. I mean, he he did a good job in Detroit. Uh, and, and Detroit just wanted to do the Patriot way thing and, and it didn't work out, but I, I don't know, man. I, I think, I, I think if he doesn't get a head coaching job, I've, I've said that I think he would be a good asset here, but I just don't know about hiring him as the next head coach. And, and I don't know what the, what the reaction would be. And quite honestly, John, I came here wanting to just love up on Jim Caldwell and talk about how wrong he got done in Detroit. But now that you're trying to connect him to Easterby, I almost want to say screw <laughs> that guy. No, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, he might. I think he's going to. Oh, there's not? There's nothing wrong, there's no, nothing wrong with being linked with Easterby No, here? I mean, nothing wrong with him. I, I think he'd be a great coach for Deshaun Watson. I really do. Everything that I've heard, he'd be, he's a perfect fit for Deshaun Watson. All I'm saying is the route toward getting him, I think Easterby might be involved more than you think. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling dude, you, man. Come on, dude. <laughs> oh, uh, after all this, I'm. T- oh, you want to talk about ish hitting the fan? Yeah. In January or whenever the Texans make their co- uh, make their hire. Mm-hmm. If when the Texans make their hire, the first voice you hear at the podium is Cal McNair, and the seconds is Jack Easterby. Mm-hmm. Especially Dude, after that story that came out, after the, the text things, line might break. The things that we know about um, how certain people, a lot of people, feel about Jack Easterby in that building, all of a sudden he's involved in this coaching shirt search. That means that he might be involved moving forward. You know, uh, with with the next regime, Easterby could still be here. I, I haven't I believed that. I haven't thought that for a second. John McClain came on and said he expects Jack Easterby to either leave or be fired at the end of the year. I, I, I think that's probably the odds-on favorite. I'm, so. I'm saying I wouldn't uh, sign off on that just yet. Okay. Um, I'm going to keep an eye on that. I think the, the the task for the next GM, I think they need to lock up Justin Reed right now while the price is low. You need to get as many Whitney Merciless contracts as possible. The first Whitney Merciless contract, yes. not this one. Yeah. The first one. That was a bargain. And I think I think going to Justin Reed right right now, 
coming off an injury, a uh, little bit of a disappointing season, although I don't completely blame him for that. I, I would lock up Justin Reed. I think we got to look into the possibility of Brandon Cooks just being one and done as well. There's a lot of decisions to be made. Hopefully Jack Easterby ain't involved, but John Lopez always wants to urinate in my Cheerios. No, I don't. I'm just telling you, man. You hear things. You hear things. Landry Locker, John Lopez, Jacob in for Figgy Fig here on Houston Sports Leader, Sports Radio 610-713-572-4610. Y'all want to keep it going uh, on the text line. Uh, We love to uh, respond to those. Tomorrow, final day before Christmas vacation, J-Lo. How about that? Um, It's going to be a big day tomorrow for sure. And then, uh, man, we're bearing down on Christmas big time. Big Big time. time. Do you do you buy my theory? I had two 2020 theories. One of them was that uh, there should be no Labor Day in 2021 because of the pandemic. It should be work a double day where you work a double shift. <laughs> no, we so need there Labor Day. Be, no, no Labor Day in 2021. There's There's been too many people laid off. I work do like your other one, though. I think there's something to it. I, I think I think New Year's this year is bigger than Christmas. I think you're right. I, I think New For Year's. Adults. I'm not usually a New Year's Eve guy. This year, because Christmas, a lot of people have been hitting the pockets. Uh, I think Christmas is just about being together, but I think New Year's is bigger than Christmas in 2020. For adults, I totally co-sign that. For the OG John Lopez, for Jacob filling in for Figgy Fig, who's the best in the world at what he do. I'm Landry Locker. This has been another edition of In the Loop. We'll talk to you tomorrow on a hump day, also known as a well-spoken Wednesday. Stanford Brout's going to join the show. That's going to be at 10 a.m. But in the meantime, Clint Sterner and Ron Hughley are next. Thank you, Figgy.